0: Human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. Every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice, suffering, and struggle, and the tireless exertions of passionate concern of dedicated individuals. I guess it was probably my dad who taught me along the way that certain things in life are their own reward, like hard work and loyalty. They are the, their own reward. You work hard to get things, but working hard is the reward. And you will probably receive compensation or something for that hard work. But if you can relish the work itself, that's where the adrenaline is produced. That's where that's where the joy comes from, knowing that you, you are putting your best effort forward. Being your best self isn't getting reward, it is working. It is It is laboring at the continual improvement of who you are and what you do and how you can help others.
1: Here we are, Jane Johnson. <laughs> it's, been said, it's been said that there's a time to laugh, a time to cry, time to be happy, a time to be sad, time to be born, time to die, time to celebrate, time to mourn. Jane Johnson. What time is it for the independent living legislative agenda being that is the last day week of the legislative process? Where are we? We've been a long, strange trip. What time it is?
0: It's a time to celebrate, Tony. All right, It absolutely is. And even if we hadn't achieved the things that we have achieved, it's a time to celebrate because this was, has been a session where we've seen all of our members all the centers for independent living jp pass participants work together towards common goals and regardless of the outcome that is always something to celebrate i am thrilled and i am celebrating
1: that's huge that's huge so so tell us about some of these uh celebration points that we've achieved here uh at this point in time i I, you're going to tell us that there's still you know some things that you know we got to get through but uh let us know why we should be celebrating. Let's go through it. Well,
0: last week, I led off with, with thanking you and Liz Howe for your advocacy on our budget issue, because you reached out to the Senate budget chair, asking her to include funding for the SILs in the budget, and she did. This week, I'm going to lead off thanking you again for a different type of advocacy, because on Monday night, you convened a group of JP Pass participants in a recorded a podcast where they were able to talk about how important that program is to them, what a difference it made in their ability to work and to earn a living, to to find dignity in their occupations and to gain back self-confidence that they may have lost because they incurred a life-changing injury like a spinal cord injury. So that podcast was shared with legislators because we were asking for their support to increase funding for the James Patrick Personal Assistance Services Program and that advocacy worked, and on Wednesday of this week, the full house voted on our bill and approved it unanimously. So thank wow. you to Tony, thank you to the JP past participants, Carrie Larrabee, Christina Martin, Doug Jones, I'm gonna forget everybody's name now, Salim Nasser and Mark Brisbane, participated in a podcast with you. They shared their personal stories. That goes back to our very first episodes that we did about how it all comes down to people and stories and putting lives with the issue that you're trying to advocate for so that it's not, these are not orphan issues. These are people, these are issues that have body parts and heartbeats and, and impacts. So thank you, Tony. Thank you to the JP Pass participants who shared their, their stories on your podcast. It did have an impact. And when the bill was presented on the House floor by our champion House sponsor, Representative Jenna Persons-Malika, there was a Representative Garrison spoke up and shared that his personal experience, he's from Clay County, and he said he knows about this program because when he was working in the state attorney's office in Clay County, he knew who James Patrick was, and he saw him create this program, and he said, thank you, Representative Persons-Malika, for filing this bill. This is such an important program, and James Patrick, even though he's passed away since then, he he needs to be recognized. So it was a really powerful vote. Um, It was unanimous. Again, our legislation has not gotten a single nay vote through all through the process. So that bill is now on its way to the governor's office. But again, it, it didn't get there on its own. It got there through great grassroots advocacy. And then the leveraging of technologies like a podcast and emails to make sure that Every person who had an opportunity to vote on that bill understood what it was about. So kudos to you, Tony. Thank you.
1: Well, you, you know, I, yeah, I think your compliments are, are great, but, um, you know, certainly deserve very minimal because, like you said, it was really grassroots. There's so many people up front that front-loaded this, that put it into it. We certainly at Vassal, uh, since absorbing the program and since you've taken over, have been very intentional about how we run the program and being really good financial stewards of the program. We have subcommittees that you, know, you and I and others participated on that really care about this program because of those participants and them coming on this podcast and being able to do it all at the same time and during this moment was very special, very special. Like no matter which way that would have cut, what an honor just to get such a group of people like that together in a space and to, to have that. And I encourage anyone to listen to that conversation. If they're looking for any insights, wisdom, inspiration, these are just wonderful people I look forward to getting to know better. And so thank you for uh, making that happen and, and for all the advocacy that that you do. I'm really glad that you did tie it back to, you know, it does take these personal stories to be able to lock in with people, you know, not just the, you know, the economic part very, very important. We got to be really good financial stewards. Uh, at the same time, this impacts people's lives and to bring that there is huge. and you know, I don't think it's any small thing that this is unanimous. Yes. And we said here on the purpose of this podcast was unity. One of the core threads that we're really trying to tie here and is like just bringing all of us together. And that means people from different political parties, which many people would think that that's almost impossible. What can you know, these political parties ever agree on? Here we are. Again, trying to illuminate the idea that this is a space, disability, where we can all come together. We can all be united. We create more moments of connectivity, unity, doing these things. Who knows? Maybe in these other areas where there isn't so much unity, we can make some progress. So. I really, really appreciate that, the fact that this seems to be unanimous and across the board. That's another thing that I think is encouraging. Yes.
0: And it came, you know, it it started with, it starts with individuals, it goes out in a big ripple and then it comes back in. So it's, it's just been fun to watch how our early conversations have been reinforced throughout this process as we see how things actually work. The other good news we have this week is that on Tuesday, the budget that's going to be voted on today, the last day of session hit members' desks. It was about just after noon on Tuesday, which means the 72-hour clock started ticking at that point. And so they can take a vote anytime after about 1230 today. They're allowed to vote because they can't vote until members have had 72 hours to look at it and review it. What's been interesting in this session, because there have been so many divisive issues, policy issues that have been voted on, everything from the anti-riot bill, which was also though matched with a police reform bill, which some of the advocates say stops short of doing true police reform. But there's a bill to crack down on riots, which was a reaction to the riots that took place after George Floyd was murdered. And then uh, a police reform bill. You saw the COVID liability protections, but now you're seeing homeowners insurance reforms also, which is a reaction to trial attorneys suing. So you're seeing a lot of insurance reform that's controversial. There was a bill to ban transgender athletes from participating in high school and college sports, which the subject of impassioned debate on the floor, and that did pass. Then you also saw election reform, and a lot of advocates felt that election reform meant voter suppression. There was a lot of limitations placed on the current voting process, which ironically back in November was hailed as one of the best in the country because we had a problem-free election in November. So Lots Florida of
1: Florida for once, <laughs>
0: yeah. So, lots and lots of controversial issues. But when it came to the budget, you saw unanimity in support. A lot of Democrats who were angered by those policy issues were praising the Republican appropriations chairs for the budgets that was being proposed. So, so, that was a real point and counterpoint. Part of the reason why the budget was so acceptable to so many people, and the reason why it may get close to unanimous support today is because. The federal government, through some of the COVID funding, sent about $9 billion extra to Florida. So the budget was kind of juiced with one-time non-recurring federal funds. It totals over $101 billion. The budget that we're operating with in this current fiscal year is only $92 billion. So it's a $10 billion increase in funding for the state again a lot of it's one time federal funding so it's just interesting it's been a session of contrasting viewpoints and contrasting issues lots of flashpoint issues that you know sometimes appear to be symbolic gestures more than actual meaningful attempts at policy reform but anyway it is where we are we have an election cycle in November of this year for 2022 so i think we'll see we're seeing a lot of posturing So that's where we are. Uh, The budget is scheduled to be voted on today.
1: All right, so we got J-Pass looking good. What about the other legislative agenda items that we had out there? I know we were asking for an appropriations ask.
0: Yes, our our appropriation, again, thanks to you and and Liz Howe for reaching out to the appropriations chair. We had started out, we were on the House side, not on the Senate side. We are now in the budget at $450,000. And we feel good about that because it was supported by both sides. When they vote on the budget, our funding will be intact. The next step will be, though, to convince the governor not to exercise his line item veto authority. He can do that, which obviously would be really upsetting. We don't believe he has a reason to do it. So the next step on the advocacy end is for the Centers for Independent Living to send letters from their centers to the governor, urging him to approve our funding and explaining to him what the economic and social return on investment is for that funding. And that's something that the centers can do like nobody else. So just explaining why transition services save money, empower people to to live and work in their communities, and also why successful transitions should be every person's right. Transitions both to from high school to employment or post-secondary education or transitions from an institutional setting into the community. So...
1: And so today, uh, after 1230, this is Friday, we're we're on the the 30th uh, of April. So after 1230, say 1231 uh, gets passed, voted on, approved. It then goes to the governor. How long does the governor then have to sign on this? Is this kind of indefinite or what what, what tends to happen here?
0: He technically has 15 days after he, quote unquote, receives it. Uh, And last year, it was interesting because he... Last year, the House and Senate worked very closely with the governor on the budget because of all of the uncertainty caused by COVID. They weren't sure what was going to happen to the economy. They, you know, that that would have been back in March because we had a January session. So in March, no one had any idea how long the lockdowns would last, how long, how big of an economic impact COVID would have, and so they waited until the very. I think they waited until June to send him the budget. I want
1: to say you're right. Yeah, I felt like it was June. It was
0: June because they they wanted to wait out the clock and make sure they knew with as much certainty as they could get what the economy would look like, which meant how much should he cut from that budget? Because they believed that they wouldn't be collecting the revenue to support what was in there, because you know in Florida we don't have income tax. We only we have sales tax, and sales tax is generated by economic and commercial activity. And when you're in lockdown, you're not generating as much sales tax, especially if people are buying things online and people aren't paying online sales tax, your revenue streams are drying up. So in anticipation of that, the governor waited until June to say, okay, send me the budget. From the time he received it, he has technically has 15 days to sign it. And in signing it, he has to also identify which what he's going to veto. So where in the past governors have had anywhere from a hundred million to you know six hundred million in vetoes, last year's budget was almost a billion dollars in vetoes. So he he eliminated any identifiable fat from that budget because thinking that we would at least see a $1 billion dollar decrease in funding. And as a matter of fact, we saw even more than that. But then we've caught up, so we're kind of the hole that they thought they were going to have to fill this year with the budget they didn't have to fill. So anyway, so this year, we expect that he will probably receive the budget in the next 30 days or so, I guess. It's hard to say. From the time he receives it, though, it's the clock ticks down for 15 days. If he doesn't sign it, it becomes law without a signature. And that's the same with, with any bill
1: what's the buzz as far as like anticipated when he might sign it? I know that's nothing we can, you know, take to the bank, but, you know, kind of given the climate we're in and, and the fact that Jane Johnson is, is got all the background scoop on what's happening <laughs> at the Capitol, like what, what's the buzz about like the anticipation at least uh, for when he might sign?
0: Well, you know, because, there's a lot of rumors about the upcoming election cycle um, and the governor himself has to run for re-election. It's, it's 2021 now. He was elected in 2018. So he needs to get elected next year to remain governor. And his he has announced his intention to be governor for eight years unless he gets picked up as a potential pre- presidential candidate. President Trump yesterday was um was quoted saying that he thought that Ron DeSantis would make, make a great vice presidential candidate. So if, if former President Trump were to run for president again in 2024, you know, Governor DeSantis could potentially be his running mate. But for the immediate future, Governor DeSantis needs to focus on getting reelected here in Florida for 2022, which means he wants to start campaigning as soon as possible. So I would bet That he's going to sign, he's going to ask for that budget as soon as the dust settles after today. You know, we could see the budget getting to him within the next 30 days, which is pretty quick. Because one thing that the governor wants to do, he has budget staff in the Office of Policy and Budget who are combing that budget every single line item with a fine tooth comb and and coming up with recommendations on vetoes for him. So they need some time to go through all of that because it's several hundred pages. But I would imagine that in 30 days, He'll get the budget. He will sign it probably with some fanfare because he wants to. He's basically campaigning. He's governing and campaigning at the same time. And so every public action he takes has sort of two two goals. And he wants to project a positive public persona, which means it's probably good for for money. It means he's probably not going to veto a lot because he doesn't want to make enemies.
1: Sure. Seems the nature of the game nowadays. Yeah, it to be, is be doing these things and juggling. And, yeah. and, and and that's why we have the Jane Johnsons of the world to cut through that fluff <laughs> and get to the what really matters. On this item here, I think it's really interesting if we, you know, were to go through the uh, library of episodes that we have, you know, with the legislative process. We started this in January uh, and before the legislative session because we knew they were in committees and and really work through an educational process about the legislature, uh, this journey unpacking a lot of the where bill travels as we always like to joke you know it's like sill house rocks you know i'm just a bill a bill on capitol hill and 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 it goes through this journey and and this part since i've been a director coming on six years now we've we've really have needed more money to do more of our services for and better and um this is the closest we've ever been for that ask to do outreach to make sure that we're serving all people from all walks of life and and I'm just very excited because you know, I'm coming in late to the game. Six years is nothing. Like People have been really advocating and pushing this for a very long time. And certainly through your leadership and, and through the, the leadership of others and the advocates and everybody, this is just really exciting that uh, certainly since you've been here, we've gotten closer and closer and closer. And this is the closest we've ever been to having something like this go through and to be signed. Where, and certainly, as you said, you know, it could be line item vetoed. But I'm just really, really excited for this moment right now. So, a time to celebrate. At, at the same time, I feel like I'm on a like whoopee cushion of like pins pen, and needles, like kind of thing. You know, like yes. so. so it's, it's interesting. It, yeah. But it's
0: the good kind of adrenaline because it's the adrenaline that motivates you to move, keep moving forward. So, it, and I really do feel confident that the governor will support our ask. I've, you know, I'm, I'm confident that the Sills are going to be sending letters to him so that he can demonstrate. You know, he can see that this is a statewide. Ask that that, that this is going to support people with disabilities in every single county. I feel very positive. The other thing that I want to highlight is that the bill that got passed on Wednesday also includes language to support our sister organization, FILC. And that's an important gesture of unity as well for the Independent Living Network. You know, we are the association at FASL, FILC is the the State Independent Living Council, but we work together on that bill. And we were proud, FASL was proud to support its sister agency, to update statutes so that they are aligned with federal law. And that's something that, too, that I think has come out of this season that we're in, where we're, we're working together, where we have a better sense of what our common goals are and what the big picture is. And we're achieving unity within ourselves as well as a network.
1: We are. And again, I only have a six-year window, so that's pretty small. But in that six years, when I first came on, Fassel and Philk had no working relationships with one another, very divisive. There've been some history and, and whatnot that really had led to, you know, not the greatest relationships between FASL, a member organization, FILC, you know, a state, you know, organization for oversight and resourcing. And since then, and, and especially with you now here and Beth Myers as being director there at FILC, it is night and bay. It is absolutely have turned around 180 degrees. And, and it's just really exciting to see how the synergy of organizations can come together and serve and do better than they could either one of them apart doing their own thing and we know what that looks like and now when we can see how collaborations come together and it's not always rainbows and kittens when these collaborations come together these are we're still having tough conversations. We're still working through very complex problems. We have different points of view, but at the end of the day, we come out closer and better for it. It's not just everybody agrees with everybody and we're all holding hands and singing kumbaya, but at the same time, we're not in our camps. We're not all parsed out. We're all about the unity and bringing us together. And we wouldn't be here in this process right now to be able to report on some of these legislative successes without this unity between organizations.
0: I completely agree. And so you lead me to my quote today. I'll go (laughs) ahead and say it now. (laughs) I love it. It's from Martin Luther King Jr. And it says, human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. Every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice, suffering and struggle, and the tireless exertions of passionate concern of dedicated individuals. Exactly as you just said, it doesn't, it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It's, it takes work, it takes commitment, it takes coming back to the, to the table when you disagree to try to work things out. And I think that we've seen that over the past year and the past legislative session where it's a multi-step process, but it takes work. But, but coming together towards justice, towards doing the right thing is, to me, always going to be worth it.
1: I think, that, can you read that quote again? It's just amazing.
0: It says, human progress is neither automatic nor inevitable. Every step toward the goal of justice requires sacrifice, suffering, and struggle, the tireless exertions and passionate concern of dedicated individuals.
1: It kind of reminds me that you know success is you know not owned, it's rented. And you know, it, that rent's due every day. Yes. I really appreciate that on so many levels. That that's so deep and it's so wise. And and as you read that, one of the things that I would like to ask you is what is it that helps you get through those times where it is the struggle, it is the suffering, it is that part of it where this process is very difficult to do. And, and so you're, you're super accomplished, you're super experienced, you don't seem to have a, like a super jaded attitude about it, you seem to really have a fresh perspective and open-minded and also humble. So how do you do it? How do you work through those times where... It is challenging. There are suffering. It is, you know, a lot of struggle going on.
0: I, I guess it was probably my dad who taught me along the way that, you know, certain things in life are their own reward, like hard work and loyalty. They are the, their own reward. You work hard to get things, but working hard is the reward. And you will probably receive compensation or something for that hard work. But if you can relish the work itself, that's where the adrenaline is produced. That's where that's where the joy comes from, knowing that you you are putting your best effort forward. The phrase that you use a lot that I love is that you are being your best self. Being your best self isn't getting reward. It is working. It is it is laboring at the continual improvement of who you are and what you do and how you can help others. And so to me, I think that that's where I derive the most satisfaction. It's, it's um, I love getting across the finish line, but it really, it was running the race that where, where the, the real joy came and looking back, knowing that I, I ran my hardest and I gave, I didn't leave anything out on the course. So I I think that that's, allows me to go back again. If I work hard and don't get the outcome that I want, I'm willing to go back because it wasn't just the outcome. It was, it was knowing that the the purpose you're working for is valuable. It's important. You know, independent living, we'll we'll never finish this. It'll never be perfect.
1: No finish line. Nope.
0: There is no finish line. So I think that's where just the work itself is its own reward. I don't know. I, and I'm pretty sure that it was my dad who told me that there, and there's dignity in work, but you also you have to be um, tactical, strategic. You can't, uh, sure. and I think when you
1: can't just grind through it yeah, right. you
0: or just be an idealist and say, well, this is how it should be. And be angry when it does, when it doesn't turn out that way. Well, yeah, it should be that way, but we're always only ever going to be human. So it's probably never going to be perfect, but we can at least make incremental progress towards getting to a better place.
1: Well, I, I think what you're saying there is super powerful wisdom that you know I'm absorbing right now and, and, and that really harkens to you got to love the process, regardless of the outcome, whether it's the, the advocacy that you do at the Capitol, whether it's the work of serving other people, whether it's being a teacher, being a mechanic on a car, cutting hair, serving people in a, re- you know, being a cook in a restaurant, serving. Just loving the process is a huge thing that I think is very important for all of us to keep the eye, you know, on the ball. That's very, very timeless and an important wisdom there, Jane. So that's good to know, uh, kind of what works in your playbook there. Because I really admire what you do, I respect what you do, and what a, what a great journey you know this has been. I think uh, so far our legislative updates uh, chronologically, like kind of go through a really neat part of history here in a legislative session that's unlike any other. Mm -hmm. Uh, And on top of that, where we really have learned a lot and made some progress in these areas. And it really chronologically goes through and talks and walks our way with how we wandered through this process and and some really good nuggets there on what we can learn. So it was such an experiment, you know, trying this out uh, with our podcast, you know, adding this on one a week. And, you know, some would say, what do you, what do you, what? Who's going to listen to like this? (laughs) And maybe they don't, but I love this process. I love the process that you are and I are in. Regardless if there's zero listeners, uh, I would like lots of listeners of course, but at the same time, I do enjoy this process and in, in talking this out with you and learning. And, and for me in this process, I certainly am putting into practice what I'm learning from you and, and from all these other things. And who knows, it could be you know, a good archive for other people to, to learn from and, and to see what happened during this session as well. So I, I feel like this this process, we've created some really important content that I would love to continue to do because I do love this process and I, and I admire the work that you do and how you do it and go about it and maintaining this incredible attitude. So Well,
0: and you know, I'm already thinking about next year because our money <laughs> is non-recurring. So we're going to have, we're going to start sure. all over again. But, yeah. and over the summer will be a great time to continue to raise awareness about Centers for Independent Living yeah. what they do. Yeah. So,
1: it's, it's that, another season, you know, in the way it's, this isn't like, what is not like Was it you I was talking to recently is like, you know, when, when you are heading towards the finish line, you realize that it's the starting line for the next thing that you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. this shoot that you're going down <laughs> that you think is like, okay, I'm going to rest. No, you're just like, there's the starting line. Right Human there, progress line.
0: is neither automatic yeah. nor inevitable. You have to keep putting one foot in front of the other.
1: That's Right. Good place to end there. And that foot should be put into a direction that goes onward and upward. Amen. Thank you so much, Shane Johnson. Thank you, Tony. (laughs) Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Independent Life Podcast brought to you by the Center for Independent Living of North Central Florida. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you know anyone who might benefit from listening, share this podcast and invite them to subscribe too. For questions, suggestions, or if you have a story you'd like to share, please email us at cilncf.org at gmail.com or call us at 352-378-7474. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, support, advocate, and empower each other to live the independent life.